welcome to Super Grand Life Podcast. I'm Nat. And this is Tom Helmuth. This is the podcast where we play video game music. Uh, we like to play both originals from the games as well as remixes and arrangements. Um, this week, uh, we are just having a free play for our 20th episode. Um, this is, uh, I think, it's something we're going to do every 10 episodes. So we did a free play back in episode 10. And now we'll do a free play here in episode 20. Yeah, um, it's fun to try and round up those tracks that just don't quite make it into a regular themed episode. Right, I, I have a few tracks that were sort of ones that didn't quite make other episodes, and then other tracks where just haven't, uh, haven't had a good theme and just really wanted to play them, so I think there'll be a lot of good music today. Yeah, good variety. I want to start out with... Uh track from The Legend of Dragoon. This was uh, one of those PlayStation 1 RPGs that was kind of overshadowed by Final Fantasy and Chrono Cross and all of that stuff, but it was a later game that had pretty cool vibe to it. I always liked the combat system, and the soundtrack was uh, good RPG music composed by Dennis Martin and uh, Takeo, <clears throat> Takeo, Takeo Miratsu. I'm dyslexic this morning, apparently. <laughs> so let's get some music going. This is going to be Darts Theme from Legend of Dragoon. That was Dennis Martin's uh, track from The Legend of Dragoon, Darts Theme. Uh, I was drawn to this one, I think, because most RPG music that I hear from, uh, from that era sort of commits more to either the, the orchestral, like, uh, Wimatsu kind of thing, or it goes more into the hard rock, heavy metal stuff, like, uh, like Star Ocean. Mm, yeah. And I kind of liked how this one was sort of in between. It has that driving beat, uh, really strong drums, but it's not using like a heavy guitar synth. Instead, the guitars are kind of in the background as rhythm. Yeah, yeah. Have you uh, have you played this game? I got halfway through it, and then I got a PlayStation 3, and I <laughs> thought, oh cool, I can just play everything on that. But I forgot I couldn't transfer my save over easily, oh, so no. it's on hiatus. Right, right. Yeah. But it's a really fun game. It's the combat system is kind of like Paper Mario, 
Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah, I, I haven't played this game, uh, but uh, I, I've heard a lot of the music. Is it, uh, definitely has a, a fun soundtrack. Um, so I'm going to take us into a Genesis game. Um, this is going to be the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Tournament Fighters. Um, this came out for the Genesis as well as the Super Nintendo and the NES. Um, but each system had its own soundtrack. They weren't even rearrangements of the same music. Um, the Genesis soundtrack was composed by Miki Higashino, who is known for a lot of different work, um, both in the 8-bit and 16-bit era. She did everything from Life Force for the NES and, and uh, Gradius. Do you say Gradius or Gradius? I, I've always said Gradius. I already said Gradius, but <laughs> who knows? <laughs> Um, she, but she also did a lot of arcade games um, and some Super Nintendo and Genesis games during the 16-bit era. Am I remembering right? But Higashino did um, was involved in Suikoden. Uh, I do see her name. Yeah, yeah, she did uh, both one and two of the Suikoden. Um, so yeah, she's she's had a a huge variety of um, of work that she's done. Um, I'm going to be playing my favorite track here from this Genesis version of the game. This is April O'Neil's stage. This is April O'Neil's stage from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Tournament Fighters by Miki Higashino for the Genesis. I really like this track because it has a nice rock uh, vibe to it, but it, unlike a lot of Genesis tracks that go for that sort of hard edge guitar sound, um, this keeps it a little more laid back and uses more um, synths and a really great bass sound. Um, to, to give it sort of that rock vibe. Um, and it's, it, it just has a lot better of a sound in my opinion than um, a lot of typical Genesis games that, that don't really make great use of the hardware. You know, what I was thinking just now is that it reminds me a lot of Streets of Rage, the way uh, Yuzo Koshiro used the Genesis to get sort of this low, bassy sound that wasn't distorted. Yeah, that's Especially a great- Especially in the intro of his song. 
Right, right. That's a great comparison because the uh, Streets of Rage is another great example um, of the a good use of the Genesis hardware for for good uh, great effect. Um, so I'm, I'm really glad you brought that up because I hadn't thought of that. Yeah, and as for the rest of the song, you know, like right here, you're hearing that uh, that trademark Genesis um, synth that sounds kind of cheesy, kind of '80s, but it's used moderately enough that I think it gets away with it. Right, right, exactly. The um, the other thing I wanted to point out, or I just say is, so this is, uh, this Tournament Fighters game, this was, I think, trying to sort of uh, play off of the Street Fighter 2 fad that, uh, after Street Fighter 2 came out. Um, so this is a, your typical fighting game um, with health bars and everything. I, I think it is basically trying to make a uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles version of, uh, of Street Fighter 2. Yeah, I'm not surprised. I mean, even the main games were, uh, were brawlers. Right. Let's see, I want to go to the Super Nintendo now to get something that's actually cheesier, oddly enough. Alright. Usually it's your way around. Yeah, usually Super Nintendo has better samples and, and is less cheesy. Um, but I was listening the other day to uh, Stunt Race FX. This, I don't know if anyone remembers this game anymore, but it was one of the early Super FX games. You know, when you're using the, the 3D polygons to be all impressive. Right. They made a racing game out of it that was... Uh, it had character. Okay. I was trying to find something nice to say about it. <laughs> um, well, maybe, hopefully the music's good. The music was actually kind of amusing because some of it's kind of like fun synthy music and some of it they they managed to get like a banjo sound out of Super Nintendo and went all country western on it. Interesting. Um, but this is going to be the main theme composed by Shinobu Amiyake which is uh, kind of has cool 80s vibe to it, very percussive. I think it's a fun one so let's get into this. This is Stunt Race FX with main theme composed by Shinobu Yamiyake. Uh, the game was called Wild Tracks in Japan, if you're keeping track. And, uh, and I just kind of like, it's got these strong synth sounds, but it's trying to emulate like an old school rock and roll track. I thought that was uh, a really interesting sort of juxtaposition. Yeah. The, uh, <laughs> the car revving sounds are, are definitely cheesy in there. The whole thing is cheesy. That's kind of what I like about it. Right. It's, uh, I don't know it, if it's good. Yeah, well, and, and it totally works. I assume since this is the main theme that this is like title screen music, and, and it works fine for that. Like, like uh, playing the having the cars revving in the background and stuff would definitely be 
uh, reasonable for a title screen on the Super Nintendo. Yeah, I was... I was actually really hoping for more of this uh, kind of rock and roll stuff on the soundtrack, because I think it has some charm to it. Yeah, and if you think about it, I mean, if you're comparing something like this to something like um, Mario Kart, like Super Mario Kart, this definitely has at least a bit more um, mature or like realistic of a feel, and, and I'm assuming that's what they were going for when they're trying to use polygons and stuff in, in this say, racing game. When you say realistic and mature... <laughs> uh, I mean like... It doesn't, like, Mario Kart is so... I don't know, cartoony and uh, very, like, the the soundtrack, which I love, by the way, is very bleepsy and bloopsy, where this is definitely trying to go for more of a real rock vibe. I guess I should mention that all the cars have eyes. Oh no, I guess I, uh, I didn't <laughs> No, but you it's a good point. It definitely has more of a... It's trying to emulate real instruments and samples, whereas the Mario Kart soundtrack which was, I believe, Soyooka. Yeah, yeah, was, Soyooka uh, did that. Was definitely more of that uh, Mario series kind of real chipper sound. Right, right. All right. Um, so my next track is going to be uh, a soundtrack song from the Game Boy. Um, this is from a game called Tetris Blast, uh, obviously a title in the Tetris uh, universe series. Um, this is... Uh, game was composed by a bunch of people who I only have aliases for. Um, so their aliases are Nawaka Zoo, Bun Bun Maru, La Plus Plus, and Gaki Seven Alives. Which who knows uh, who any of those people are? I'd I'd love to know because uh, I really like this track. Um, There's a one of the most sort of dancey and uh, sort of fun to listen to tracks that I've heard on the Game Boy, uh, especially because this is original Game Boy, this isn't even Game Boy Color. Um, so here it is, this is Contest. All right, that is the contest music from Tetris Blast, uh, composed by Nawaka Zoo, Bun Bun Maru, La Plus Plus, and Gaki Seven Lives for the Game Boy. Um, 
So th I actually owned this game back in the day, um, which is weird because it's not exactly a well-known game. Um, and I remember playing to this music. Um, the, in this game, you it's basically Tetris, except that these little uh, sprites that walk around on the screen, like setting bombs and uh, trying to mess you up and things like that. And so, <laughs> but the... So it's, it wasn't that great of a game, it's basically Tetris with a few uh, hokey things thrown in. But this music was always stuck with me. Um, it's has a, a really nice groove, um, I really love the bass line throughout, um, and I love the, the use of negative space in this song. Like, there, there are times when just nothing is playing and it's it's okay, the, they're okay with that. Yeah, it's definitely composed more like an actual combo, you know, playing in a club or something uh, with the way the instruments are uh, both put together sonically and the composition of the song itself, and uh, I like right. that a lot. Yeah, the, the, both the bass and the drums are pretty sparse, um, and then it sort of basically has, I think, the, the two leads uh, sort of in concert a lot of the time along with a few little grace notes here and there um and so it, it just sounds sparse um but it's it's also really catchy you know you reminded me i think i have this game somewhere oh really i remember it was this bizarre mix of like tetris and tetris 2 yeah but i had forgotten the soundtrack um actually now that i'm thinking about it all of the tetris spin-offs at that time had pretty good music yeah, well, I, I'm gonna admit to you, this is really the only good, well, the only great track in the game. The rest of the soundtrack is mediocre, like, take it or leave it, So, but this is this is a great track. Um, I'm actually surprised I forgot to play this during our puzzle episode, because uh, I've, I've loved this track for a long time, so I'm glad I got to play it now. Yeah, I'm enjoying it. I want to go to another uh, old chiptune track that I think does something sort of similar going back to the NES game Snake, Rattle, and Roll. Mm. Uh, this one is a little more obscure. It's an old Rare game from early 90s, which means, of course, David Wise. David Wise. Uh, but the whole vibe of the game, it was this isometric game, sort of a platformer thing, um, but it had a really cool aesthetic, a lot of geometry, a lot of checkerboard patterns and stuff. And, uh, obviously it's named after Shake, Rattle, and Roll, the old 50s rock song. Mm -hmm. So David Wise wrote all the music to be, like, old-school, um, jazz and rock and roll tunes. Oh, interesting. So, the cool thing about this one you're gonna hear is that, again, he's writing all of the instruments to be instruments instead of using them, you know, embracing them as being these chiptune synths, to some interesting effect. So this is going to be the first level.
Alright, this is the level 1 theme from Snake, Rattle, and Roll, composed by David Wise. Um, and again, going back to uh, the way it's put together, everything here is an instrument. You know, you can hear the, the percussion, and you can picture either a guitar or a piano banging this out. Um, yeah. And it's all written a lot more like a song than, uh, than most NES composers. Yeah, I find this really interesting because this came pretty late in the NES life cycle. Um, 90, it, I think? Yeah, and, and uh, 90's pretty late for because this sounds to me, when I first heard it, I assumed that was really early in the NES life cycle because a lot of their earlier games had music that sounded more like this. Yeah, it's definitely sparse. It's got no expansion ships, as far as I know. Right. The, uh, it's. It's simpler, so it's not, I mean, it doesn't sound like a Tim Fullen track or something. It, it, oh, by the way, I love this ending, Is it It totally sounded like something you'd hear in a rock and roll song. Yeah, I love uh, that. It's like a, you think it's just keep looping with the way it keeps uh, repeating that melody, and right. then all of a sudden you have a big run. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, yeah, it's um, so it's interesting that this late. Uh, but I think he he did that on purpose because he wanted it to sound like this old school, uh, old school rock sound, and I think that the way he did it here here does a great job at that. Yeah, you can hear it's stuff like having a bass notes be all real short and measured. But there's no sustain going on there. It's mm. also it's also supposed to sound like the 1950s. Right. All right, very cool. So I'm going to go uh, to a track that has a lot of nostalgia for a lot of people. Uh, this is going to be from Oregon Trail 2, uh, a game that many people played possibly more in the classroom than anywhere else. Um, so this is going to be the main theme. And let's talk, we'll talk about it after we play the music. This is composed by Larry Fino. Uh, and so, yes, this is the main theme.
That was the main theme from Oregon Trail 2 by Larry Fino for the PC. Um, so that track is a huge part of my childhood. I know a huge part of a lot of people around my age since a lot of us played it in elementary school in, say, fourth or fifth grade. Um, the there's a, So there's a huge nostalgia factor there for me that I'm going to try to set aside for a second. Um, why do I'd say this song is pretty good actually for what it's trying to do a lot of the samples do sound pretty fake um, but others sound pretty good like the fiddle here is is actually pretty decent um, and it's it tries to mix in a lot of different instrumentation and has different sort of sections of the song um, so I'd, I'd say it's it's actually pretty impressive what they did uh, considering all the limitations of a game in 1996 yeah. I don't actually know, like, I can't think of many games from that era or earlier that sounded quite this uh, convincing. Right, right. They, uh, it's a very small soundtrack, I think only three songs, um, and the, for, but for this main theme, I think he did a really good job of um, sort of mixing up the instrumentation. Um, you'll notice that the last time through the melody, there's, or last time through the chorus, uh, there's different instruments, um, and it just mixes it up great, and to give it that sort of Wild West or Oregon Trail vibe, um, I think it did, did a great job. Yeah, I wouldn't say Wild West so much, but, you know, the whole concept of going out on this journey across the country, this has sort of that triumphant sound like you just want to get out there and do it now yeah yeah exactly go out and shoot some uh wild buffalo or something and a lot of times that's what like even if the soundtrack's kind of cheesy or something if it does its job but it that's good it's doing what it's supposed to do right exactly exactly so i told my wife i was gonna play this track and she got all excited and wanted to hear it and uh and we started talking about like what uh she wanted to talk about what occupation she'd choose and like she said she'd always bring a lot of uh salted meat along and yeah all the stuff that you had to decide when uh <laughs> playing this game back in the day but uh it's it's funny how a game like this really sticks with people i know there's a lot of like memes out there about uh getting uh malaria or whatever trivia dysentery or your oxen drowning in the river or whatever but uh anyway uh great game it's a, a fun soundtrack and at least this main song which plays a lot through the game and it's fun to play here yeah let's see i've got a game up next that i actually know very little about it's one called super alest was a super nintendo uh shoot 'em up game okay and I've been trying to find more, but it, it looks to me like a pretty generic game on the whole. You know, just like R-Type and Gradius? Gradius? Gradius. You can say Gradius. <laughs> you say Gradius, I'll say Gradius. <laughs> um, I haven't even heard of the soundtrack itself yet, but I found Carbohydro M, who I've always been impressed by as a really fun rock remixer, mm -hmm. did a great cover. He says it's of the Asteroid Belt theme, composed originally by, let's see if I can get these right, uh, Kiji Takeuchi, Akiyoshi, Inosuke Nagao, and Kitsumi Tanaka. 
So this is just, if you know carbohydro-M, it's, am I saying it right? I think so. That's how I'd pronounce it, yeah. It's totally his style. A lot of guitar, a lot of really, uh, really driving rock sounds. Uh, so this is Starshine on Rocks. That was Starshine on Rocks, arranged by Carbohydro M from the game Super LS, also known as Space Megaforce in North America. 
and I've always been drawn to this kind of remix. Um, guys like Carbohydro M and uh, Daniel Chadwell's another one who does this great live mm, guitars yeah. and really straight ahead rock music. Mm, yeah, yeah. And this uh, one, um, really nice stereo panning on the uh, on the guitars and drums. Really clean tone. It's not uh, it's not going for a metal sound. It's just. It just sort of focuses in on this one style and tries to bring the original song to life. Yeah, I like uh, the the breakdown session sections are nice too, and uh, it sort of shows off the rhythm guitar there, which you don't get a lot in rock songs. So that's that's a fun fun little sections that he threw in there. Yeah, especially in uh, in remixes that are usually focused on the main melody so much. It's nice to hear. Uh, rhythm guitar breakdown, and you hear the drums go to uh, here. You go, they go for shot instead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's nice. It's always nice when we're <laughs> talking about part of the music and it comes right up. <laughs> we we planned it that way. Of course. I don't know. I don't have. Like, there's nothing about this that really jumps out at me. I just think it's uh, it's really effective at showing off the kind of music that uh, he does. Yeah, yeah, it's a fun song. All right, so I'm going to go to uh, one of my backup tracks from our, uh, our uh, Point and Click Adventure Games episode. Um, this is a remix from The Secret of Monkey Island, uh, originally composed by Michael Land, Andy Newell, Barney Jones, and Patrick Mundy. I mean, this remix is off of OC Remix's Heroes vs. Villains album. In this album, they teamed up with the Bad Dudes, who are a group of remixers uh, that uh, make music together, I guess you could say. Um, compose a lot of guys uh, who you've heard of, uh, like uh, Anthony Lofton and uh, Digi Dees and a bunch of others that for some reason I can't think of right now. Anyway, uh, so they teamed up and had someone from OC Remix remakes like the hero from a game, a song for the hero, and then have someone from the Bad Dudes remix the villain. Um, so this is going to be a re the villain's remix from this game, uh, and it's remixed by uh, Diggy Dees and Alex Jones. I think Alex Jones just provides the trombone part that you'll be hearing. Um, and so I, I also want, before we play this, want you to uh, point out the um, the roads and guitar in this track are really great, and the, the chiptune breakdown is amazing, so keep an ear out for that. So this is going to be Voodoo, Roots, and Grog. It's hard to say. <laughs> Thank you. 
Alright, this track is Voodoo Roots and Grog by DigiDs and Alex Jones. A remix of the uh, LeChuck theme from The Secret of Monkey Island, uh, which was originally composed by Michael Land, Andy Newell, Barney Jones, and Patrick Mundy. Um, I'm pretty sure Michael Land did most of the compositions for the soundtrack, and others probably had a few things here and there. Anyway, this, uh, I, I'm a huge fan of the Monkey Island series. I just didn't want to play all Monkey Island tracks in our point-and-click adventure uh, episode, so I left a few out. So I was ha happy to get to play this track. Um, the I just love how funky this track is. Everything from the the clavinet, I found out, is what that uh, one of those instruments is, as well as the guitar. They're best just have such a good uh, funk vibe to them. Can we talk just about transitions here for a minute? Because this yeah. song, um, some remixes are a little clumsy in how they move from one section to the next, especially in medleys, mm -hmm. which I understand because it's, in writing music at all, it can be difficult to move between pieces, but this, every time it's just, there's one bar out of nowhere that brings something in and takes something out, and it's totally natural, just all of a sudden you're right there. Oh, that's a, that's a great point, because I, I, I know this source so well that I didn't pay attention much to that, but I think it's a great point that, that di even different parts of the source have a lot of, uh, a lot of ways in that they're different. And then when you're trying to add and subtract all these instruments, it could get messy, but you're totally right that he, that he has those uh, bars of breakdown that transition between the two in such a clean way. Like, there was a minor one just a second ago where you heard there's one lead-in and right before that key solo starts. Mm, right. So it's not, it's not abrupt, it sort of slots itself in and then back out during that drum break. Right. That's a great point. The, uh... <laughs> The thing that actually sort of sells me on this track is that chiptune breakdown halfway through. Uh, that totally came out of nowhere the first time I heard this and was like, whoa, I can't believe he like dared to throw that into such a funky track. But it, when you think about it, it, he did a great job of personalizing it to this track. Like He could have just phoned it in and said, okay, I'm gonna put a chiptune in here and have it play the melody once or something. And he totally didn't. He really took that, and you'll hear it right now. That's another spot where it's just all of a sudden, there's there's one beat right before this starts, and it just calls calls it out like, this is, this is where we're at, and you're with it. Right. I just love how he puts all these glitchy sections and these things that are common in modern chiptune music and takes them and, and makes it such an interesting chiptune solo, if you will, where, like, that's uh, uh, that's just so cool. I, it made me so happy when I heard that. Yeah, it's always fun to hear uh, chiptunes slotted into remixes that otherwise wouldn't appear to have them. Uh, and this one is one of the most natural I've heard, just in terms of of making it its own instrument, just like, uh, like a clavinet or a trombone, where it's doing its own thing that's independent, not just reprising something else. Right, right. It makes it, it's, it takes this track that's a lot of fun to begin with and just uh, breaks the fun meter. <laughs> and that that piano solo from a few seconds ago, I just loved how, how fluid that was. 
Yeah. So great, great job on this track, uh, Diggy D's or Digidis or however you want to pronounce your name. This you did a great job here. <laughs> Let's see. A lot of stuff on free play episodes. I'm going back and pulling from uh, from prior episodes stuff that I was reminded of, but didn't quite make the cut. Um, this one, I want to go back actually to Cave Story. I found that uh, that last battle remix, I believe it was, by Fusion Armor X that was based on Cadillacs and Dinosaurs. I remember that, yeah. And I loved the sound it had. It was it was using the sound font from this old Capcom beat-em-up game, and it had such a convincing 90s arcade sound, I went out and I found the soundtrack it was based on. So I've got an excuse now to... Uh, to play the stage one music from Cadillacs and Dinosaurs, which again, um, nineteen ninety three. Sorry, the the name of that game is so great. Like, who wouldn't want to play a game called Cadillacs and Dinosaurs, right? I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah, apparently it's based on a comic book called Xenozoic Tales, which is also awesome. <laughs> Oh, yeah, they, they just, like, hit uh, all, like, eight-year-old boys, like, hmm, what do they like? Cars and dinosaurs. Okay, let's just put them together in the title of a game. It works. It totally works. <laughs> the 1993 arcade game, which is uh, a total Capcom beat-em-up, and it's got their sound team. Um, on this one, it was Isao Abe, uh, Shun Nishigaki, and uh, someone named Kyo. I assume it's a pseudonym. But you'll hear um, a lot, I think, of like Mega Man X and Street Fighter 2. Even though composers are different, the philosophy is the same. So let's go ahead and play this. This is going to be Cadillacs, the Four Heroes and Heroine, Stage 1 1. So this is the stage one theme from Cadillacs and Dinosaurs. 
composed by some of Capcom's sound team at the time. Um, I'm not sure... I'm having trouble finding the right word for it, but that guitar sound that that's really obviously synth, old-school arcade synth, but it sort of sells the genre anyway. I like that. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, this is a very classic uh, Capcom sound from that era. Totally sounds like Street Fighter 2, and uh, but it's a it's a fun track. Yeah, and it's just got the those huge power chords and. Um, just the whole thing going back sort of like to that last track, that Super Last remix, it get it has this one vibe in mind and it just goes for it. And in this case I think especially a game called Cadillacs and Dinosaurs, I think this is what you want. Right. You have to imagine, I mean, this is in an arcade and this is the first stage that you'd see when you're you're playing the game in an arcade, so it's gonna be loud and there's gonna be a lot of noise around you and you wanna a song that really hits hard and, and sticks out, and I think this does a, a great job at that. That's actually... I hadn't thought about that, but I wonder if composing for arcade cabinets, if there's some different philosophy there because of the uh, environment. Right, I've always wondered that. I mean, especially like, so, um... What are they called? The the screens that show up when no one's playing. A track um, mode. A track mode, yeah. I, I, I've always wondered if they try to compose songs for that in a specific way that to try to attract people to come play the game. Um, and I, may, I probably, I'd, I'd assume it also carries over to, to this composing the rest of the game. That's a really good question. Yeah. Alright, anything else uh, before we move on? Um, no. Alright, okie dokes. Uh, I'm going to go back to the uh, original Nintendo. This is going to be a game called Roller Games. This is a game where you're on roller skates, I assume. It's uh, based on a TV show about roller derby. <laughs> um, but this this game has a surprisingly good soundtrack. Uh, and I'm going to be playing... Uh, oh, sorry, sorry, this was composed by uh, Kazuo Hanzawa, Katsuhiko Suzuki, Atsushi Fujio, and Shigemasa Matsuyo. Um, so I'm going to be playing the Team Select uh, song, which is a, a pretty quick little loop, and we'll be right back. Is the team select music from Roller Games, composed by Ko Kazuo Hanzawa. Also, uh, that person also goes by Nerio Hanzawa. I'm not sure which is the real name, but I'll make sure to get that in the track listing. Uh, Katsuhiko Suzuki, Atsushi Fujio, and Shiemasa Matsuyo. Um, I chose this track because even though it's a really short loop, just like 30 seconds here, um, there's a lot going on. There's uh, 
even these different sections that have sort of different style to them. Um, and then here, the, what we're hearing now is the sort of main melody, if you will. Um, it's just, just a fun little sort of bubbly melody. Yeah, it's, you know, earlier we talked about how some composition is really sparse and really open. This one is really full and really energetic. Right. And so this, like, I think this came out in 1990, uh, the same time as uh, Snake, Rattle, and Roll. Uh, but it totally gives a different side to the NES sound chip, um, where they're, they're both going for a bit of that rock sound. I don't know if this is quite supposed to be the sort of old school rock that Snake, Rattle, and Roll is going for. Um, but it has much more of the Konami sound um, of, of the late 90s, where there's a lot going on, they're using a lot of the um, channels for multiple instruments, um, and it really gives it a fun sound. Yeah, you can hear, you know, some composers, especially on those really now well-known sound teams, Konami and Sunsoft especially, they learned to use the uh, sound channels they had and uh, do things with them that sounded good but were unconventional. Right. Here's some of that, like using a lot of a lot of short, quick notes running up and down instead of slides or instead of traditional scaling. Yeah, the uh, that gives it sort of. Um, in some ways, this does remind me of the NES uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle games that were also Konami games. Um, those are the sort of classic that I, that I think of in the later NES uh, Konami era. Yeah, Konami, um, most of the time across the board they had certain sounds like this. I think it's true of any, any sound team that worked on a lot of games at the time. Right. So yeah, yeah it's a fun, fun uh, short track, uh, but uh, uh, it just has a lot of uh, nice things going on. I've got one more to play. I went back to the jazz episode from, what was that, like 12? Long time ago, ago, yeah. Because there, there was a ton of stuff I wanted to fit in there that I didn't have time for. One of them was what I think is a pretty interesting episode, or album. It was just simply called F-Zero. It was an arrangement from 1992. And it was couple of people named Pee-wee and Michiko Hill arranging <laughs> and uh, performing the entire soundtrack in sort of a jazz, jazz fusion kind of vibe with some really interesting results. I think it's, it's a bit polarizing because you have to enjoy that, I don't know what the right word is, that style, that it's kind of cheesy, mm-hmm. but it's really well performed. I went with the uh, Deathwind theme for today because it's one of the less remembered songs from F Zero. Yeah, and yeah, they, not not going with like Mute City or Big Blue or the the famous songs. Maybe it's just me, but I'm kind of burned out on those by now. Oh, totally. No, I know what you mean. Uh, so again, this is Pee Wee and Michiko Hill with uh, Deathwind.
so that's Deathwind. Um, that's from F Zero, from the F Zero arranged album. You, you were supposed to say, "Welcome back to the Saxophone Rainwave podcast." <laughs> um. So, and again, that was composed originally by Yumiko Kana- Yumiko Kanki uh, on the Super Nintendo. So part of what's cool about this that I like is that this was not your uh, traditional. This wasn't like a Felcom JDK band where it was all in-house musicians or anything. That sax is by someone named Mark Russo, mm. um, and he is an American. He worked. He worked with Tower of Power. He did some session work with people like Whitney Houston. He oh, had cool. a long tenure with the Yellow Jackets, who were a very well-known jazz group. And that guitar um, that you hear in a minute here for that big solo is Robin Ford, who's a very well-known blues guitarist. Yeah. So just the scale of this project is really unusual to me, because as far as I know, it was a Japanese production, but the whole thing is contemporary American uh, musicians and talent. Yeah, that's really neat, and it's cool that they put this together. And the song itself, I mean, it's this big kind of jazzy 80s rock thing. The tenor sax dominates it. Oh yeah. It's it's so funny how it's... Some parts of the song seem like they want to be a, a jazz song, and some parts totally seem like they want to be an 80s rock. Like, you could imagine this almost in like a cops-type TV show in the 80s or something. Uh, yeah. I mean, it gets away with it, I think, because Russo is just a really talented uh, saxophonist, and Ford has always been really good at these solos, and oh, totally. so it doesn't sound, uh, it doesn't really drag on so much, too, because then they have these spots here where they sort of let it breathe a little bit. Right. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, these are really good musicians who know what they're doing, so they, they're not taking it and making it into cheese they're they're taking these well they kind of are yeah but it's like yes it's it's i mean it's a little cheesy but i don't know i i'd say this is more legit than than it definitely could have been if it if it weren't in the right hands Um, it's 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 just great having these live uh performers who are are doing pretty good justice to this arrangement honestly i I barely know Deathwind as a song, because it's... I haven't played this game in years, I don't think it's aged well, and I only hear the soundtrack on Rainwave these days. Yeah. So I don't even know... I didn't have time to look it up, so I don't know how good it's arranging. Right, yeah, I'm not familiar with this song either. Um, definitely one of the lesser-known songs on this soundtrack. Let's see, so I think that brings us to your last track. Yeah, so and to the end of the episode. Um, this is fun. Uh, always great to have a free play and get to play some tracks that have been mulling around and haven't got to play for whatever reason. Yeah, that's my approach too. Is There's this stuff like, like that F-Zero track where it is just too much other stuff in any given theme for me to really see it getting played. Right. Yeah. Awesome. Well, uh, 
hope you've enjoyed the episode. Um, if you want to get in contact with us, we'd love to hear from you. Feel free to shoot us an email at podcast at rainwave.cc um, or visit our website, which is at uh, podcast.rainwave.cc. Um, on our website, we put up track lists. Um, in fact, we have a Google spreadsheet with all the information you could ever want and more, including uh, artists, uh, composers, platforms, uh, with links to websites where you can find more information about a lot of these tracks or downloads for, for a lot of the remixes. Um, yeah, so check it out. Um, yeah, I think that about covers it. Yeah, I guess I also want to say feel free to download uh, our podcast on iTunes. It's on iTunes. We're also on Stitcher. Um, and feel free to leave us a rating if you like what you're hearing. Uh, so I'm going to go into my last track, which is an OC remix, um, this time by an artist named as Z or Eros. I don't know. Um, <laughs> this is a guy I've liked for a long time. He, he puts out a lot of very glitchy remixes. But actually, he hasn't been very active recently. I don't know when his last remix is, but hasn't hasn't done anything for the last few years, which is sort of a bummer. Um, so this is going to be a remix from Final Fantasy VI, composed by Nobuo Uematsu for the Super Nintendo. Um, and before we go into this, I want to, since we don't get to talk about it, I want to say a few things that you should listen for on the way out. Uh, there's a lot of, this song has a lot of sort of glitchiness through it, but it's actually mostly in the synths, where a lot of times you hear a lot of glitches in the drums themselves. Um, there's not as much glitching of the drums, more in the synths, which makes an interesting sound. Um, there's a great bass and synths throughout, um, and, and the drum samples are really nice. Uh, and finally, in the second half, you're going to hear a flute that I think is a live flute recording. Um, and it's it's fun because it brings a, a different sound into this very glitchy song. You know, one thing that I want to briefly touch on before we end here is that a lot of the time when we're looking at these OC remix tracks, we're looking at, you know, uh, Diggy Diss um, or, or Level 99 or these well-known guys. Arrows is someone who I'm not familiar with, so I think it's sort of fun to to look into those remixes that are not as prestigious, I guess I'd say. Sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and so it's I, I try to, to spread it around, get get some of these guys who are a little lesser heard of, um, and and yeah, it's, it's fun to, to give other people a shot. Um, so this, this track's called Inspector Strago, and I... Uh, in the write-up on OC Remix, it says it's because it's named after Inspector Gadget because the sort of one of the melodies that plays throughout sort of sounds like the Inspector Gadget theme. Um, and this is a remix of the Strago theme, obviously from Final Fantasy VI. I hope you've enjoyed the episode, and we will see you next time. Bye. <laughs>